The text for this morning is Matthew 28, 2 through 7. I'll read those verses once more. Matthew 28, 2 through 7. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So far the text. After the sermon, we'll sing hymn 79, 1 through 5. Hymn 79, 1 through 5. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us are confronted with the reality of death time and again and in so many ways. Death is all around us. We hear about it on the news, we hear about wars, nations fighting against one another, killing each other off, we hear about terrorist attacks, horrible acts, we hear about political unrest, we hear about famine, And in our own families, we confront horrible diseases which claim the lives of loved ones. Death is all around us. And one day, each one of us is going to die unless the Lord returns first. One day, each of us is going to die. We may be strong and healthy one day, full of youth and vigor, but time goes quickly And before we know it, we are elderly and at death's door. And think of it, brothers and sisters. Today, there are billions of people on this earth. But in a little over a hundred years from now, everyone who is on this earth today will be dead. Gone. Their place knows them no more. And so we are all confronted by the reality of death. But today is Easter Sunday, and we may commemorate the resurrection of our Savior from the grave. Jesus Christ rose triumphant over death and the grave. That's our Christian hope, that's our Christian comfort. We believe that. And we profess that. 
And that gives us the hope and the courage to go on from day to day because we have a perspective which transcends this earthly mortal life. In Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors because Jesus Christ conquered death and the grave, sin and Satan. And as Christians, we believe that by grace through faith. These five young people are going to stand up this morning and say that they believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior and that in him they have life eternal. I summarize the message for this morning as follows. Jesus Christ rose triumphant over death and the grave. We'll note two things as we focus on our text. First of all, the angel's derision. Secondly, the angel's directives. Jesus Christ rose triumphant over death and the grave. We'll note the angel's derision and the angel's directives. The text tells us that there was an earthquake because an angel came down from heaven, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. And you know from the rest of Holy Scripture, brothers and sisters, that often in Scripture an earthquake means that heaven has a message for earth. So we learn, for example, from Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, that when the Lord God descended on Mount Sinai in fire, when he was going to give the law to his people, the mountain shook. God was there. Heaven was going to speak. And likewise in our text, there was an earthquake because heaven had a message for earth. And that message came by way of that angel. And angel literally means messenger. God sent that angel to this earth with a divine message on Easter morning. That message that Jesus Christ has risen. And that angel came down to this earth and made his way to the tomb of Jesus Christ. Now, graves in those days were different than the graves that we have today here in Canada. In the Holy Land, the graves were built into a mountainside often. They were cut into stone. We read that also in Matthew chapter 27. Joseph of Arimathea laid the body of Christ in a tomb that he had cut in the rock and A large stone would be rolled in front of that tomb, blocking the entrance. The angel went to that tomb, rolled away that large and heavy stone, and sat on it. And by sitting on that stone, brothers and sisters, the angel was conveying a message. The angel was sitting there in triumph, announcing That the tomb was empty. Now think about that for a moment. Think about that. Because all kinds of precautions had been taken. 
The chief priests and the Pharisees had been very concerned because the Lord Jesus had spoken about rising again on the third day. So they made a point of going to Pilate and securing the tomb. They had the tomb sealed so that if anybody tampered with it, it would become evident immediately. The seal would be broken. Something had happened. Something untoward. And they had a guard posted there. Security forces. Standing guard. Nobody was going to tamper with that tomb. Jesus was going to stay in there. And they were going to make sure. But that angel came down from heaven, went to that tomb, rolled back that stone as if it was nothing, and sat on it in triumph, in derision. And those guards that were posted there to make sure that nothing wrong happened fell down like dead men because they saw that angel coming down from heaven with a dazzling appearance and they collapsed. There sat the angel on the stone. The entrance to the tomb was wide open. The angel was sitting there in derision, brothers and sisters, because all those precautions had been taken, yet nothing could prevent the Lord Jesus from rising from the dead. He sat there, mocking all those authorities that had taken all those precautions, mocking all the forces that had been arrayed against the Lord Jesus on Good Friday, calling for his crucifixion, crucifying him. That angel sat there in derision. The message was conveyed, first of all, brothers and sisters, on Easter morning, without words by that angel who sat there in derision. The message was no stone, no seal, no Roman guard can keep Jesus Christ from rising. Look, the tomb is empty. The angel was sitting there on that stone, saying as it were, without words, Look, the place is empty. He has risen. And now what are you going to do about it? He was sitting there in derision. That's the first thing that we have to see about this Easter story. The angel sitting there in derision. And it makes us think of what the psalmist said in Psalm 2. The psalmist speaks in Psalm 2 about the nations 
rising up, conspiring against the Lord and his anointed. And verse 4 of Psalm 2 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. It's not too bold for us to say this morning, brothers and sisters, that when that angel sat there on the stone, he sat there in derision, and the Lord God was laughing in heaven. And then the angel spoke to the women. That's recorded for us in the verses 5 and 6. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. What a contrast compared to the reaction of those soldiers. The women were told that they didn't have to be afraid. There was comfort for them because they had come in love. They were not standing there to make sure that the Lord Jesus never came out of that tomb. They had come there in love because they were followers of the Lord Jesus. And the angels spoke comforting words to them. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And the angel gave them a reminder. He said, He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. The angel announced to those women the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and he issued a reminder when he said, He has risen, as he said. You might even say that there is a mild rebuke in those words of the angel. The women should have known that because the Lord Jesus had repeated several times during his ministry exactly what was going to happen. As he came closer to Jerusalem, the Lord made very clear that he was going to suffer and die and on the third day be raised to life again. We hear our Savior saying that in Matthew chapter 16 verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Likewise, in chapter 17, 22 and 23, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. And one more reference. This one from chapter 20 of Matthew. Just before his entry into Jerusalem. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside. And on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, 
and he will be raised on the third day. And on the morning of Christ's resurrection, the angels said to the women, He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, And then the angel said to the women, Come, see the place where he lay. Have a look for yourselves. The women could see the orderliness of the tomb, that everything was in its proper place. The other Gospels describe that for us. This was lying over there, and that was lying over here. Everything was in its proper place. This was not the work of a grave robber. This was not the work of some violent act. This was not the work of disciples who came and stole the body and hastily left the grave in a mess. This is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come and have a look. He has risen. Brothers and sisters, there are many people today who deny the factuality of a literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They say that Jesus rose in the hearts of his disciples. They say that the resurrection account is a myth created by the early Christian church in order to add credence to Jesus Christ. Jesus died, but he arose in the hearts of his disciples and lives on in the hearts of all those who believe in him. His message lives on in their hearts, this message of reconciliation between God and man, reconciliation between man and his fellow man. That message lives on in the hearts of those who believe in him. But Jesus did not actually arise. You see, brothers and sisters, the Jewish leaders did everything in their power to try to keep the Lord Jesus in that grave. They had it sealed. They had a guard posted. And we remember what the Lord Jesus said about God's own people who were rejecting him, as recorded in John 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. Because you don't believe in me. And you are opposing me every step of the way. Well, this idea that the Lord Jesus did not literally arise, but only arose in the hearts of his followers, is yet another attempt by the devil to keep our Lord Jesus in that grave. A much more sophisticated attempt than sealing the tombstone and posting a guard. This is theological reasoning which says that it's not actually a fact, but we can learn something from it. 
And Jesus lives on in our hearts. It's yet another attempt to keep our Savior in that tomb. But the thing is, brothers and sisters, a denial of the factuality of the resurrection of our Savior from the grave undermines the entire Christian gospel. Because if Jesus Christ did not arise from the dead, neither will we. Then we will stay in the grave too. Then we do not have the hope of the resurrection either. And the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus did not rise from the grave, then we are still in our sins. That's the key thing. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then we are still in our sins. Because the Lord Jesus died for our trespasses, as Paul writes in Romans 4 verse 25, and was raised for our justification. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus has not been raised, you are still in your sins. The Christian message stands or falls with the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, he did not triumph over Satan, sin, and death. And we are still in our sins. And we are still in the grip of death and the grave. That explains then also why when a replacement had to be found for Judas Iscariot who had betrayed Christ, it was crucial that it be someone who could serve as a witness of his resurrection. That's what it says in Acts 1 verse 22. Someone who would serve as a witness of his resurrection. Witness in the sense of someone who could testify to the truth of his resurrection. Because that's what the New Testament emphasizes. Jesus Christ rose triumphant over sin and death and the grave. That's the message that we believe through the working of the Holy Spirit, by grace through faith. And these young people are going to say yes to that. They're going to say, I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior, sent by the Father into this world to die for my sins, and he was raised to life again, On the third day, for me, that I might be raised with him and walk in newness of life and one day be raised from my own grave. We believe that. And next Sunday we're going to celebrate it at the Holy Supper. Jesus Christ laid down his life for my sins and he was raised that I might live with him forever. That's our Christian hope. That's our focus. And then the angel gave his second directive. His first directive was come and see the place where he lay. That was the first order that he issued, the first directive. The second directive is recorded in verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. 
There you will see him. See, I have told you. And again, brothers and sisters, the angel was reminding them of something. Because when he said, he is going before you to Galilee, the angel was not telling them anything new. They could have known the itinerary of our Savior because our Savior had laid it out. In chapter 26, verse 32, we read that our Savior said just before going into the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat those great drops of blood as he contemplated what he was going to do on the cross. He said then in verse 32, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And the angel said, listen, tell his disciples he is risen and he is going on ahead of them to Galilee. There they will see him. Brothers and sisters, this is the hope of the Christian church. Everything occurred as the Lord Jesus said it would. He had spoken about his death on the cross. He had spoken about his resurrection on the third day. He had spoken about going on ahead of his disciples to Galilee where they would see him. Everything unfolded as the Lord Jesus had said it would. And the Christian church believes that and finds its hope and comfort In the gospel message that Jesus Christ rose triumphant over death and the grave. That's what helps us confront all the brokenness of life in this fallen world. Paul ends that beautiful chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, in which he writes about the resurrection a chapter that I mentioned a few moments ago. He ends that chapter by saying in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We might also say, in the Lord your life is not in vain. In the Lord our life is not meaningless. Our work is not meaningless. And you recall What was said in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. The perspective from under the sun. The perspective without the hope of the gospel. Vanity of vanities says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. There are so many people. So many young people in this world. Who have no hope. No direction. They are rudderless. There's no perspective for them. As they go through life. And as they do their work. There's no hope. There's no comfort. As Ecclesiastes tells us. With that solely human perspective. Without knowing the hope of the gospel. Work is meaningless. It's in vain because what is built up one day is broken down in the future. You can work hard all your life and at the end of it you see that whatever you work so hard for has gone to pot. 
and you look at human life, one successive generation following the next, as Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 1, with the certainty of of water flowing from the river into the ocean, never-ending, one generation after the other, all that death around us. And you say, it's meaningless. And history, what has mankind accomplished? History, what's the meaning? Is this world any better? If you only have that perspective from under the sun, when you contemplate your work, your life, and the history of mankind, then in the end, you say in despair, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, after writing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And that's what we believe. The angel sat there in triumph and derision, on that stone and he announced to the women he is not here he has risen as he said by God's grace through the working of the Holy Spirit we believe that and you believe that and you're going to stand up this morning and profess that publicly May we all believe that and go forward in that faith and have that comfort and that hope. And may many people in this world who are filled with despair come to know the name of Jesus in faith. Amen.